Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 138. 138. Thanks so much for whacking me in your ears and spending some time with me today. It's just going to be you and me. We're going to spend some one on one time together, which, as you know, it's one of my favorite things to do. So hi, hi, how are you? What is going on? Now, I'm going to share a little bit about what's going on for me. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to hit me up and share what's going on for you at the time that you listen to this, I would love that. I would love to hear what's going on with you. Okay, what's going on with me? (laughs) I feel like this is a really big question for me right now, today, standing here. (laughs) For a number of reasons. So I am meant to be in what I call the famous three. The famous three days. And for those of you who listen to the potty all the time, you are in warrior school, you know me, uh, you know what I'm talking about. For those warriors out there that have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about the famous three, at the start of the year, I made a commitment to take the last three days off each month and This was really all about uh, finding balance, resting, uh, spending time to like ideate and create and innovate. Uh, And so it's Wednesday, August 31st, and I am meant to be in the last of the famous three. But this famous three has been an epic failure. (laughs) And I've had a few during the year and what I have learned from this experience is that if the last three days fall during the week I ain't so great at following through with the commitment to take them off if the last three days fall on the weekend 
for example, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I have a higher compliancy rate (laughs) of following through and actually taking those three days off. So really big learning for me because I'm in this famous three and I have worked every day for the last three days and I'm here recording podcasts today because it's podcast day and I'm tired. So, and that is because I haven't rested and it's also from some other stuff which we can totally talk about I'll share what's going on so what I have decided from September through to the end of the year I'm actually going to take the last weekend off of each month so I'll take a Friday Saturday Sunday or a Saturday Sunday Monday off to help my compliancy rate (laughs) uh So here I am, it's Wednesday, it's the 31st of August and we're recording a podcast, which which is cool because I actually have a lot that I want to talk to you about today. Uh, So this will be a really cool, eclectic mix of things. Uh, And so I just wanted to share that with you. You know, sometimes I make rules and I bend them and that's okay. Sometimes we will create a strategy or a system and then we realize that that system or that strategy ain't working. And I think we need to be brave enough to say, actually, that's not working. And there's this really cool thing that Seth Godin talks about. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking about this concept of the dip, how when we start something new, uh, we've got this momentum and we're seeing progress and results and it feels really great and exciting. And then we get to this place where it's not working and we feel like we're not making progress and it's really frustrating and overwhelming. And that place is called the dip. And we all experience it uh, in all areas of our lives. And if we know that it's coming, we have the awareness and we can prepare for it. Uh, The other thing he also talks about around this concept is knowing when to quit. There's this old saying that, you know, winners never quit. But he flips that and he actually talks about how there is a place to quit and we can quit uh, intelligently. Now, I'm not saying I'm quitting my famous three days, but to be able to see when something isn't working and then be brave enough or bold enough to, they can call it pivot, I guess you could call it pivot, uh, or quit that thing and change it to a different thing that's going to allow you to progress forward. So that's what I'm doing with the famous three days. That's my big learning. 
The other reason why I think I've struggled to hold the commitment of the three days is because of the stuff I'm going through with the reinvention. And this is the reinvention of myself and the reinvention of my business of Warrior School. And (laughs) what I have come to learn over the past week, and especially in these three days, (laughs) is that I have used training and my hot cold exposure as a distraction from the reinvention, from spending time with all of these feelings and thoughts and emotions that are really uncomfortable. And this is a really interesting experience for me. Uh, Normally I'm pretty good at sitting in the thoughts, in the feelings, uh, really internalizing, marinating, spending time with the discomfort, working through, you know, what's going on internally. But this reinvention and these four questions or prompts that my business coach gave me have really thrown me (laughs) off kilter. Uh, And I've I've spiraled a little bit. (laughs) And so for the past couple of weeks, I have definitely been using training and my hot cold exposure as a distraction from actually sitting in this, this discomfort with the prompts or the questions that I'm meant to be working through and really thinking about this reinvention. (laughs) So and I, I really realized that on Monday night, I was at hot, cold exposure and I was sitting in the sauna and I had done it the previous day and I had also trained like four days in a row uh, really intensely and so I was exhausted. And, and then I knew that I wasn't going to hold uh, my commitment of taking these three days off. So I'm sitting there. And I'm just thinking, man, girl, you are distracting the shit out of yourself with training, with this hot, cold exposure. Basically, what I was doing is I was putting myself into physical discomfort, which I'm very familiar with. And I actually do really love being physically uncomfortable, whether that comes to my training practice or this new practice around hot, cold exposure. But a big like moment was that I will use this physical discomfort to distract myself from the thoughts and the feelings and the emotional discomfort. (laughs) So I'm trying to work through that. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm marinating in it. I'm internalizing it. I'm really thinking about uh, that behavior or that pattern that I've really exposed myself to in the last few days. So this whole reinvention and the business stuff and the four questions about, you know, where are you holding back and who are you and who are you really and uh, 
what are the parts of you that, you know, that your dark side that you push down, that if you didn't withhold, what would that allow you to do? I spoke a little bit about these questions, I think in the last podcast episode that I did, and I'm really thrown off by them and they're really hard and they're really uncomfortable. And so what I found myself doing was training more and using hot cold exposure to distract myself from the thoughts and the feelings. Uh, I don't know if you've done that or you have felt that before or that's a pattern that you experience, but it's a big realization for me. It's a big learning uh, that that's what I do. So I'm taking a couple of rest days and I'm really trying to sit in to this discomfort, all of these feelings and thoughts. I'm really trying to spend time with the questions and the prompts, uh, really, really trying to think about this reinvention, especially when it comes to the business. So we had a business coaching call yesterday and one of the ideas that John presented to us was around this concept of speed and using speed within business to live into our vision, to achieve what we want to achieve, to grow our business. And he was talking about how when we withhold, that slows us down. And, and this, the call yesterday also shook me a little because I was already in a place of <laughs> where I was struggling a little bit. And then, you know, was um, this was the, the main topic of conversation on our coaching call yesterday. So I actually spent a lot of time thinking about it yesterday and I was thinking about this, you know, the idea that we're in a car and we need to be changing gears. You know, the car will build speed and once it gets to a certain speed, it needs to change gears or or we need to change the gear in order to maintain the speed and the momentum of the car. So I was thinking last night, you know, I feel like I'm stuck in third gear and I can't shift into fourth. Why? Why do I feel like I'm losing speed or momentum? Where, where is the obstacle that is not allowing me to shift gears so I can continue to grow my business. So I, you know, so I can continue with the speed that I had in the last two years. And so what came up for me was, okay, there, there's probably a few things going on. One, I think it can be an energy problem. So we just don't have enough fuel in the tank. And that means we can't go, (laughs) you know, we can't drive, we can't change gears. The, The tank is empty and maybe we need to work on our nervous system and energy regulation. But for me, that's not an issue because I keep my nervous system really strong. I have fuel in the tank. I have a full tank of fuel, baby. Maybe not right now 
because I'm a little tired, but normally I have a full tank of fuel. So that's not stopping me. So I was like, okay, you got to go deeper, get underneath there. Let's, uh, let's, um, you know, unlayer it like an onion. What's at the root of it? And it's all around this idea of withholding. I'm withholding something or some things inside of me. And that withholding is slowing me down. I can't get from third to fourth because I'm withholding. And my work right now is using those four questions and the four prompts, uh, looking at, you know, why am I withholding if it slows me down so much? You know, why would I do that? And I want you to think about that. You know, if you, you're in the car, you've moved, you know, from first gear, which was like the pit, the black hole, there's no movement, <laughs> into second. You've created some speed, some momentum. Uh, and maybe you're thinking about now shifting into third. Or maybe you're at third like me and you're thinking about shifting into fourth. But you can't. It feels really hard. I want you to think about what's stopping you from shifting into the next gear, from keeping the speed and the momentum. Yeah, think about it. Is it an energy problem? Do you not have any fuel in the tank? Are you withholding something? It's a cool question. Uh, so that's what's going on for me right now. That's what I'm working through. But today, today I actually want to talk about comparison. <laughs> and the birth of this topic came from a few different places over the last week. So all in one week, <laughs> a few different things came up. And so I knew that I had to get on and I had to talk about it. And this was a couple of weeks ago or over a week ago. So I have spent a good week actually really thinking about the topic, the concept, marinating in it. Uh, I really wanted to define comparison and talk about it in a way that helped us really understand it. So I want you to know that I spent a lot of time preparing for this podcast uh, because I really wanted to understand it in a way that would be useful to both of us. So me, when I'm teaching it or using it within Warrior School, when I'm coaching the women that I work with and when you're feeling it. So when you're feeling comparison and oh, don't we love us some comparison with a capital friggin C. Uh, and when I say I spent a lot of time preparing for it, what I mean is I just spent a lot of time really sitting in, you know, internalizing it, sitting with the concept and just really thinking about it, uh, observing what came up for me. I did a little bit of reading and research on it, but mostly it was me, me just spending time with the concept. And as you know, I love to do that. So I wrote it on a post-it note. And for the past week, 
I've been thinking a lot about comparison. So where, where did this topic come from? It came from a question that I was actually asked a couple of weeks ago, and that was, do you think I'll ever stop comparing myself to how I looked before and to other women's bodies? I love that question. I love that question. I'm going to say it again. Do you think I'll ever stop comparing myself to how I looked before and to other women's bodies? What a fire of a question. What a brave question. The second place that comparison popped up was my dear friend Libby Westcombe created a post. I think it was last week or the week before. And that post, she was talking about her training, actually her training age. So our training age means how long we've been training for. And for me, when we talk about training age, I look at it as how long have I had a solid, consistent training practice for? So Libby has had a solid, consistent training practice for 13 years. Uh, And I've had a solid, consistent training practice for 13 years. And what she was talking about in the post was how a lot of women compare themselves to her or other women like Libby and myself who have high training ages. It's like comparing, you know, you're on chapter one and we're on chapter 20. And here you are at chapter one, comparing yourself to someone who's at chapter 20. Uh, And so Libby's post was really powerful. I highly recommend, I'll pop the link to it in the show notes. I highly recommend that you just connect in with it. And she articulated it very beautifully. And I talk a lot about this with my women in Warrior School, especially on our initial call, our discovery call. And I have a a couple examples that we're going to go through today when we talk about comparison. But a lot of women will come to uh, women, uh, coaches or trainers like Libby and myself because of the way that we look. And a lot of women want to have a body composition that looks the same. But what we need to understand is that it's taken Libby and myself 13 years to develop the strength and the body composition that we have today. 13 years. What you see today is 13 years in the making. And I was talking uh, to Kitty about this when we did our podcast together. This is so important to understand because we get so stuck in comparison with someone who is 13 years ahead of us. And what creates a lot of friction for me is that if you're at chapter one and you just want to get to chapter 20, you want to do it quickly and you want it to be easy and 
that I believe is disrespectful. It's extremely disrespectful to women that have worked 13 years to get where they are when it comes to their training, their body composition, their relationship with their body and their training, uh, even with their business, their work. And I just wanted to offer you that, that when you feel the frustration and when you feel impatient and you just, you want to get there, you know, I see you, I see you, I see that you've probably spent years or decades trying to redefine your relationship with training and yourself and your body, trying to get the results that you want. But it takes a long time. And it's disrespectful to want to get there quicker and not wanting to put the work in. The third place that it came from was my reinvention. So the four questions or prompts that John offered me last month, they really put me in a spiral And I have really struggled and I've done a lot of comparing, uh, comparing myself, comparing the business to, to other people, other women, other women who have businesses similar to myself. Uh, And the, the real friction for me around these prompts, when John asked me, like, who are you? You know, who are you really? was like how do we how do we know that you know how do like with this reinvention we have so much conditioning and we're you know patterning from the culture and society like how do we remove ourselves from that like how do we truly see because we're we have confirmation bias and we're conditioned and there's been patterns that have been laid down so how do I truly know what I'm withholding you know how do I how do I reinvent something that isn't coming from what I'm seeing so that was the third place that comparison was really coming up for me because I started to compare myself when I was thinking about this whole idea of reinvention reinventing myself and the business I just started to compare And then the other place was writing my book. And, you know, since I started writing, I've just compared myself to other people that have written books. And I've had all of these thoughts around, you know, very much imposter syndrome. Like, why should you write a book? Why would anyone care what you have to say? You know, look at this person's book. Look how amazing it is. Look how well they can write. Compare, 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 compare. (laughs) So that's how this topic was birthed. And what also came up for me while I was thinking about comparison is other emotions like jealousy and envy. And I'm really fascinated by those two emotions uh, because I'm so fascinated by relationships and... So let's first talk about comparison and then 
we might talk a little bit about jealousy and envy at the end. So let's look at the dictionary definition of comparison. And that is to estimate, measure or note the similarity or dissimilarity between things. So when I read that, what comes up for me is if I look at two bananas side by side and note that the one on the left is smaller and has more brown spots than the one on the right, that's comparing. And it's automatic, which is which is what we're going to talk about in a second. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper. And so I knew that my girl, Brené Brown, would have a super cool mint definition of comparison. And yeah, she did, of course. Brené Brown defines comparison as the crush of conformity from one side and competition from the other. It's trying to simultaneously fit in and stand out. Comparison says, be like everyone else, but better. I love it. The crush of conformity from one side, because I hate conformity. And competition from the other. I don't mind me a bit of competition. And we're going to get into, you know, is comparison bad? Can it be helpful? Uh, The thing that I really like is that we're trying to fit in and stand out. So there is this like dance or friction that gets created. And we want to be like everyone else, but we want to be better. So when I was doing some reading about comparison, what actually a lot of uh, social psychologists um, consider is that comparison is something that happens to us, that it's in our hard wiring uh, and it's like a default to compare, which I thought was really interesting So they're saying that it seems to happen to us rather than be our choice. Uh, And so it's an automatic reaction. And so when I read that, I then started to really pay attention and just see if it was automatic. And so I just used the banana example before because that's what I noticed. One day when I went to the fruit bowl and I was... One morning, uh, every morning, I'll have yogurt, honey, and fruit. And so I went over to the fruit bowl and I looked at the bananas and I immediately or automatically compared bananas to choose the banana that I wanted to choose. Because So I was comparing them that this one looks smaller, I had more brown spots, so then I'm going to choose the other one on the right because it was bigger and didn't have as many brown spots. And I was comparing and that happened automatic. Then I started to just be aware of comparison in other settings. So, for example, we can take the gym. (laughs) 
because oh gyms are like infested with comparison <laughs> they're like um you know a petri dish where comparison goes to like multiply so i started to notice you know what was happening in the in the gym setting and how when we look at someone we just automatically compare that person has brown hair i have blonde hair that person has a purple top on i have a white top on and it happens automatically that it's a it's hardwired into us and it's a default for us to compare now i didn't get into the reading or the research behind you know what that served uh back in the day you know in when we were <laughs> tribe people uh i didn't get into the history of comparison and maybe the role that it served uh in you know in history but i found it super fascinating about this whole idea that it's hardwired uh and it seems to happen to us rather than be our choice. So then I got to thinking after I had, you know, had many experiences over the last week of actually being in comparison. And for me, it comes up everywhere that I was noticing that it was coming up everywhere. Uh, I thought, okay, so even if we don't choose whether or not to make a comparison, I think we can choose whether or not to let that comparison affect us. So our mood or our self perceptions, which I think is really cool. So if comparison is hardwired into us, so let's use the gym, for example, or we can use social media, uh, which... <laughs> Uh, in at the end of the episode, I'm going to share a few ways that I uh, manage comparison or I manage how I let it affect me. But we'll use the gym setting or social media, our, our social media feed. So if we're scrolling or we go to the gym for our workout and there are other women in the gym or pop up on our feed... Comparing yourself to them is automatic. It is a default setting within us. And if we are aware of that and we accept that when we scroll through a feed and the brain will automatically compare and it's just going to compare just like the bananas. Yeah, when you're at the grocery store and you're picking your bananas or your fruit out you're looking at the fruit. You're looking at the meat. You're comparing which one looks better. So if we don't choose whether or not to make that comparison, so something pops up on our feed on Instagram or we go to the gym and there is another woman there training, we're not making the choice to say, yes, you know, I'm going to get on the gram and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to, I'm making the choice to compare. That's what I want to do today with my time and my energy. We don't make that choice, but 
we can choose whether or not to let that comparison affect our mood or our self-perceptions. Okay, so the good news is that we get to choose how we're going to let it affect us. That's our power. If we don't want this constant automatic ranking to negatively shape our lives, our relationships, our future, we need to stay aware enough to know when it's happening and what emotions it's driving. Because comparison is not actually an emotion. (laughs) It's an action that we're taking that drives all sorts of emotions and big feelings that can affect our relationships, our relationship with ourself, our relationship with our body, our relationship to training. It affects our self-worth. And more often than not, the social comparison falls outside of our awareness. We don't even know we're doing it uh, a lot of the time. But we are. We're comparing all of the time. So comparison is not an emotion, but it drives all sorts of other big feelings and emotions like jealousy and envy, which we're going to talk a little bit about. And it affects our relationships and our self-worth. So if we're constantly in comparison and then we are fusing with that comparison or fusing with those big feelings, it's going to affect your relationship with yourself, your body, your training. It's going to affect other relationships in your life. It's going to affect your self-worth. But don't worry. Don't worry. You are in good company. You're in good company (laughs) because we are all here and we are all comparing. We're all at the table comparing. So when I was doing some reading and research on comparison, uh, many researchers talk about comparison in terms of upward and downward comparisons. So there was a researcher, I think her name was Alicia Naughty. I will pop the reference in the show notes but she was talking about when we engage in upward social comparison we compare ourselves to someone who is perceived to be or is performing better than us so we're looking up to them in contrast when we engage in downward social comparison we compare ourselves to someone who is perceived or is performing worse than we are Uh, And what she was talking about is that the direction of the comparison doesn't guarantee the direction of the outcome, that both types of social comparison can result in negative and positive effects or thoughts and feelings. Uh, So social comparison can make us happy or unhappy. (laughs) And outward comparisons, you know, they can inspire us or they can really demoralize us Uh, whereas downward comparison can make us feel superior or it can actually depress us Uh, so what they find in their research is that frequent social comparisons are not associated with life satisfaction or the positive emotions of love and joy but are associated with actually negative emotions of fear and anger and shame and sadness and I think these are really important findings because regardless of the different outcomes in the end if we are constantly comparing ourselves and we're fusing with that comparison 
uh, and we're comparing to others, it leads to feelings of anger and shame and fear and sadness. And, you know, I think it also leads to feelings of jealousy and envy. But we have to remember that the good news is, is that we get to choose how we're going to let it affect us. So if we don't want this constant automatic ranking to negatively shape our lives or our relationships and our future, we just got to stay aware enough to know that it's happening all of the time. And we've got to be aware of what emotion it's driving. You know, is it driving fear? Uh, So a lot of the times if we look at upward comparison and and if it's not inspiring us, it could be demoralizing us or and we start to get this fear that we'll never be able to do what they are doing. We'll never achieve that. We're not worthy enough. We're not we're not strong enough to do that. Uh, so we've got all of these, you know, these emotions or these we're, we're afraid or maybe we feel shame uh, if we're doing a lot of downward comparison, uh, what can come up for us is, you know, it can be really sad and it can depress us if we're constantly comparing to someone who we perceive is not as well off or is not as not performing as well as us. So, what I, what I, you know, when I was really thinking about this, thinking about, okay, so it's automatic, it's hardwired into us, but we get to choose how we're going to let it affect us. So is comparison totally bad? And I don't believe it is. I believe that if we experience, um, you know, we can look at upward comparison and I don't even love labels. Yeah, I don't even, you know, for those of you who know me, I don't love label labeling things but I think that you know you can choose to look at someone else's success and see what's possible for you and find that belief within yourself of what might be possible for you and I think that I think that is so cool and I don't want to give comparison a totally bad rap because it is hardwired and it's a default, um, I guess, practice. But if we see someone who is at their chapter 20, it's okay for that to inspire you. It's okay to engage in upward social comparison. You can compare yourself to someone who is at their chapter 20 because their success opens up and allows you to see what's actually possible that if that person got to chapter 20 it means that that could be possible for you and you can find that belief within yourself of what might be possible for you which I think is epic it's so cool So I want to give you a few examples that I've workshopped on Momentum Calls because comparison comes up a lot on my one-on-one coaching calls with uh, women. So the first one I want to talk through is um, 
last week I was on a coaching call with one of my warriors and she was feeling a lot of friction between her performing body and her aesthetic body. So this comes up a lot. We feel this a lot. You know, maybe we've come from a place where our body wasn't actually healthy. It wasn't performing. It didn't feel or function well. And then we spent a lot of time uh, healing the body and creating safety and stability. We've, we've spent a lot of time on getting the body healthy and performing better and functioning better. But it's not where we want it to be around the aesthetics. It's not how we want it to look. So she was feeling a lot of friction. You know, we've been working together for a year and her body is healthier, it's performing, it's functioning, she's getting stronger. Yet when she looked at herself in a picture or in the mirror, she didn't like what she saw uh, and she wanted to change her aesthetic body and she was fixated on, on this. So she was comparing how she was before uh, when her body wasn't performing and it wasn't healthy, but it looked a certain way. You know, she was uh, skinnier or smaller and, and she was comparing to how she is now. She was also comparing herself to others, so friends and comparing herself to uh, people like Libby or myself that she sees on social media. So I asked her if she could reinvent herself, you know, if she could reinvent her body, what would her ideal body be able to do and what would it look like? And I asked her, you know, who she compares herself to. And if she was to pick someone uh, that, you know, she wanted to look like, who would that be? And she said, Misty Copland. Misty is the very famous, very talented American ballerina, a black American ballerina. Uh, and I asked her, okay, so when you, when you look at Misty and you see her, what do you see? What's attractive about her? And so this warrior said to me, she looks strong but she also looks feminine and she looks graceful she looks like she, she looks like she can do anything with her body so i said to her well neither you or i are ever going to be misty copland <laughs> we're never going to be a black american ballerina <laughs> but we can embody the characteristics we see in her. You can look strong. You can look feminine. You can look graceful. You can have a body that can do anything that you want it to do. And this is key. When we compare ourselves to someone who we are never going to look like. And that's okay because I don't believe we want to actually look exactly like them. I believe that we want to embody certain characteristics that they have. 
looking strong, looking feminine and graceful and powerful, looking like our body can do anything that it wants or we want it to do. Those are characteristics that we're picking out from women like Misty Copland. And to me, it's okay to have that comparison because you can look at her success and you can see what's possible from, you know, she's been a ballerina since she was three years old. So she's had a practice since she was three. That is her job. That is her life. Also, we have to look at her genetics. Uh, There's so many factors and variables behind it. It's okay. It's automatic to look at her on your feed and automatically compare yourself to, to her, to her aesthetic body, to her performing body, to what her body can actually do from a physical perspective. That's going to come automatic and that's totally cool. It's when we get stuck and fixated that we let it affect us. We, it brings up all of these emotions around shame and fear and envy and jealousy. Uh, but if we can realize that we don't want to look exactly like the person, we're attracted to the characteristics that she is presenting We want to look strong in our body. We want to look feminine. We want to be graceful and powerful. We want our body to do all of these cool things. So next time that you find yourself in comparison and it's leading to certain emotions or feelings that maybe you feel fear or anger or shame or sadness or jealousy or envy. I just really want you to pause and I want you to choose to look at that person's success as inspiring and to be able to see what's possible and and then to find the belief within yourself of what might be possible for you. So I invited this warrior to really look at, do you believe that you can look strong, that you can look feminine and graceful and powerful, that you can have a body that can do anything that you want it to do? That's that's where the magic is, is that you've got to identify as the woman that believes that she is capable of achieving the things that she is seeing in another woman. I believe that she can. I totally believe that she can. We just need to believe that it's possible for ourselves. And I can use, you know, I've experienced this many times with my training, with my business. Uh, You know, I... And I'll use an example for myself. So Brooke Castillo, who I speak a little bit about on the podcast, she owns, uh, is the creator and the founder uh, of the Life School Coach. And Brooke has been doing it for 14 years. She's in chapter 20 and I'm on chapter two. And I compare myself to Brooke, but I see what's possible 
and I'm working on finding that belief in myself that it's possible for me too, that I can create something that is as big and as, as successful as Brooke, but I'm only on chapter two. But I see what's possible and she inspires me. So when I'm comparing, I just compare automatically, yeah? But I, the work is in how I choose to let it affect me. And I don't feel feelings of jealousy or anger or shame or fear or frustration or you know, I don't feel those things. I actually feel inspired. I feel driven. I feel motivated. I see possibility when I look at her that this woman is just blowing out ceilings. She is redefining what it means when it comes to being a life coach, to being a woman in business, to building a business. She blows my mind and that is so inspiring. Also in my training practice, you know, when the, in the last 13 years, I can use the example of when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting, I was always the smallest lifter in my weight class. I was in the 69 kilo weight class, but I always weighed in at about, you know, 65 kilos and the next weight class down was 63 kilos. So I was always the smallest one. And the girls in the weight class were so much bigger and stronger than me. Now, of course I compared, yeah? I, I was competing in Olympic weightlifting. Remember Brené Brown's definition? It's the crush of conformity and competition. So I was in Olympic weightlifting. I was competing. Of course, we, we compare. Yeah, we compare lifts. We compare numbers, not only to ourselves, but to the other girls that you're competing with. We compare bodies. But I worked hard on not letting that comparison affect me. Uh, because at the start, it did. It, it led to feelings of fear and frustration and shame. Uh, and envy because I wasn't as big and as strong as them and I worked really hard. And so I had to choose how it was letting it affect me. And in the end, I chose to see what's possible, that it is possible to put on more muscle and to get stronger. It is possible to compete with these girls it just takes time and practice and effort. You know, I was very early into my Olympic weightlifting career. These girls had been doing it since they were young. And so there's context behind, there's always context, there's always a story behind whoever you're comparing to. And to be able to sit down and really pull that apart is really important. So how do I manage comparison? Well, there are a few things that help me manage it and they aren't prescriptive. Okay. So th these are just observations that I've learned uh, from my own experience. The first one is that I always work on keeping a strong nervous system. And I believe 
with anything, that is always the most important is that we got to keep a strong nervous system. We got to have energy in the tank because anything it's everything is harder when we don't have a strong nervous system. We can't get from second to third gear or, you know, third to fourth. Um, we can't, uh, you know, it's really hard to believe in ourselves and believe that we're capable of achieving the thing that we want if we don't have a strong nervous system. So I keep a strong nervous system. Number two, I get clear on my vision and the thing that I want to achieve. So I have alignment and I really ask myself, is my goal or vision mine? Is it really mine or is it somebody else's? So every day when I wake up, every choice that I make is in alignment with my vision, where I want to go and how I want to feel. And I can only make a choice right now. So I believe that we only have our power now, right now, not in the past or not in the present. So I think when we compare a lot, we're feeling a misalignment with our vision. I believe that's when it comes up a lot is that if we're not living into our vision, we're not clear on the vision and we're not living in alignment, I feel like comparison rears her ugly sea head way more, especially if we don't have a strong nervous system as well. So if we have a strong nervous system, we're so clear on our vision on our mission, what we want to achieve and how we want to live our life. And then we're waking up every day and we're making choices that are in alignment with that. We're using our power right now. Comparison is not going to rear her ugly sea head as much. Or if she does, we're not going to fuse with it and we're not going to let it affect us. The third thing I do is I limit social media. I'm not really big on consumption. I'm not a massive consumer. Now, I'm not saying um, consumption is bad. I think consumption is amazing as long as we're consuming from uh, the right sources, the right people. Uh, but I very much limit my consumption. Actually, the other day, uh, Carson was walking home from the clinic Carson's a big consumer. He'll always have a podcast in his ears. He's always listening, listening, listen, watching YouTubes. He just consumes, consumes, consumes. The other day's headphones <laughs> weren't working. They didn't connect. And he was walking home from the clinic uh, from work. And when he got home, he was like, my headphones didn't work on my walk home. And I so I had to think. <laughs> and I just pissed myself laughing uh, and I was like oh how was that experience for you and then he just shared all of the things that came up for him on his walk home on his reflection when he had to think <clears throat> and he said to me oh this is you must experience this a lot is because I don't have any every I don't have things in my ears all the time I actually am a deep thinker I will come across a concept or an idea and I actually just really internalize it and think deeply about it. I don't do a lot of consuming about it. And I've always been like that. Um, there have been periods of time in my life where I've been going through something and I have consumed. 
So for example, uh, you know, when I was going through a lot of uh, stuff around relationships with myself and then in intimate relationships, I consumed a lot of Esther Perel's work and Brené Brown's work. Uh, you know, when I had my back injury, I found a coach and I consumed information from him. So I'll find very good sources or mentors or teachers. So, you know, another example is within Creator Club with the business. I'm consuming information from John and Ruby from Creator Club. But I, I only, I decide on where I'm going to consume the information. And then what I believe is really important and what we don't do is that we don't allow time and space to really think about what we're consuming, to think about the idea or the concept. We need time to marinate in it, to internalize it. What does it mean for us? You know, is it helpful right now? Uh, so when I was preparing for this podcast, a lot of this podcast really just came from marinating in the idea. I did a little bit of reading and research from a couple of sources that, um, you know, I believe are really powerful, but I didn't consume a lot. And so I think that, you know, when we're in comparison with other people and what they're doing, sometimes it's because we're consuming a lot too much and then we're not actually spending time with what we've consumed to let it sink in and marinate into us like is it really useful for you right now does it serve you right now where you're at right now so that's another thing that I do I limit my consumption unless it's for a very specific purpose uh, I don't consume a lot I don't listen to a lot the fourth or fifth, like where are we up to? One, two, three, four, I think fifth thing that I do is that I always use comparison as inspiration for what's possible. When I'm comparing myself to someone who is in a later chapter, for me, it's inspiring because I can see what's possible and I have the belief in myself that I'm capable of achieving that thing. And I understand that it's just going to take time. It's going to take hard work, patience, you know, all of those superpowers that I talk about. Heart, respect, integrity, quality, effort, grit, patience, hard work. All of those are skills. But I, I compare and I see what's possible. It inspires me. It motivates me. And then the last thing that I do to help me manage comparison is I have a board of directors around me. I have a wise counsel that sits at the table and they give me advice or I can talk to them. You know, when I'm in a story, you know, that I'm telling myself that might not be true or if I am in comparison I'm, and I'm having feelings of, shame and doubt and fear and envy and jealousy I I connect with my wise counsel and they can uh, give me advice so if comparison isn't an emotion but it drives all sorts of big feelings that can affect our relationships and our self-worth does comparison lead to jealousy and envy 
And do we experience those emotions because we are comparing? Those were just a few questions that I was asking myself when I was thinking about this topic. And then I was thinking a lot about jealousy and envy. Uh, And so I wanted to just spend a little bit of time talking about jealousy and envy. So I don't really feel jealous ever. I feel many other negative emotions, don't get me wrong, but jealousy isn't one that I feel. Uh, So I started to think a lot about it. And then I was thinking about envy and if I've ever felt envious. And then I was like, well, what's the difference between jealousy and envy? So, uh, of course, I went to Google and gave them a good old Google and got their definitions because I was super curious about the difference between uh, these really big emotions or feelings. So the dictionary uh, defines jealousy as a feeling of unhappiness and anger caused by a belief that a loved one might be unfaithful. And another definition was a feeling of unhappiness and anger because someone has something or someone that you want. Okay, so that's jealousy. And then the definition of envy, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities or luck. A desire to have a quality, possession or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. Painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. So they're quite different, yeah? And I'd never really dug into the difference between them. And of course, then I went to my girl, Brené Brown, who is my source when it comes to dealing and working with and understanding difficult (laughs) emotions and feelings. And so Brené Brown contrasts them as envy is when we want something that another person has and jealousy is when we fear losing a relationship that we already have. So when I read that, I think envy is about comparison and jealousy is when we are afraid of losing something that we have. That's what comes up for me. So when we're talking about comparison, what we feel a lot is envy, not jealousy. Because what we'll, we'll often say or what I often hear is, oh, I'm so jealous that you... And what we really mean is that we are envious because we want something that the other person has. So we want that powerful relationship that they have with themselves or their bodies, or we want the confidence that they have, or we want the body composition that they have or the strength that they have. So we're not jealous of them. We're envious of them. Because jealousy is when we are afraid of losing something that we have. And often it comes up a lot within relationships relating to another person. And it comes up a lot around um, being unfaithful. So 
Envy is the feeling you get when somebody else has something that you don't have. Uh, And I think there are two types of envy. You want it and you want them not to have it. (laughs) Or you see something that someone else has and you want it and you want to go get it because it's inspiring you. So in one situation, we see that, you know, you have something and I believe and I want to have that thing for myself. So that is like a comparison inspiration. That is a desire. You know, I see that you have this powerful relationship with training and I believe and I want that thing for myself. So I am comparing my relationship that I have with my body and training to your relationship that you have with your body and training but I, I do want that thing for myself and I also want you to have it. So that is comparison inspiration. That is desire. When I look at you and I say that you've done something that I want to do or you have something that I want to have, I've created a desire and a motivation within me to get that too. And that's really important is that it's okay to be envious from an inspirational perspective, you know, that, uh, that second type of envy is that you see something in someone, something that they have, um, and you want it and you want to go get it. It's created desire in you. It's motivated you. It's inspired you to go and get that too, because you can see what's possible. That first type of envy and jealousy, I think comes from scarcity. Whereas this second type of envy or comparison inspiration definitely comes from abundance because you know that there's enough out there for everyone. There's an abundance of it. So you want every woman to experience that. Yeah, like I want every woman to experience a powerful relationship with her body, with training, Uh, I have that, but I want it for you too. So I think if we can become aware and stay out of comparison or even just be aware that comparison is hardwired and it's a default and we we can move away from negative feelings like jealousy, that first type of envy, uh, fear, shame, we can stay in this place of like inspiration and passion and desire that comparison is okay. It can inspire us. It can ignite passion and desire within us. We can want what someone else has and still want them to have it, still want them to be successful. We can see what they have and we can believe that it's possible for ourselves. So there are two questions I ask myself Uh, I have asked myself this week and that I do ask myself, is your goal or vision really yours? So are you conforming and or competing? So I think that's a really powerful question. Is your goal or your vision really yours or have you taken someone else's goal and vision? And the second question I ask myself is what do I have? 
Am I doing everything I can to create the results that I want? You know, do I believe hard in myself and my goals? And can I use other people to inspire me to see what's possible? Okay, Warrior, if this episode resonated with you, you need to come and check out Warrior School. It's my online coaching program for women. We take all of this stuff and learn to apply it so we can redefine our relationship with ourself, our body, and our training. You have to come and check it out. I'd love to have you. You can visit warriorschool.card, C-A-R-R-D.co. Also, I'll pop the link to Warrior School in the show notes. Okay, Warrior, I am super grateful that you whacked me in your ears today. Thank you. Uh, and I will speak to you very soon. Bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.